hour, so let's get All into right. it. Hey now, it's your boy PSA Sitch here with another Tuesday stream with everyone's favorite, the world's greatest artist, none can compare. Wow, I like this. This Adam should be Friendly. my standard intro here. I like uh -huh. this. This is uh -huh. the new intro. And we're yeah. here, obviously, with a very special guest, Ian Crossland. How I you doing, you talking Ian? about me. I'm great, but I, I thought you were Stitch. I thought you were talking about me, Derek. No. Well, first of all, Stitch. <laughs> That's why I wasn't talking. <laughs> but no, Adam Adam gets to steal the moniker. Though I was saying it kind of ironically, so. But hey, I was... Am I on video, by the way? I didn't yeah, know. you, you are. are. Yes. Oh, cool. I yeah. hope you want it to be. I hope that wasn't... You want to be, yeah. Okay, okay cool. Look, I'll be, I'll be on, I'll turn my video on too. So we, I was telling Ian before we started that this is going to be a very hardball interview. So to expect, mm -hmm. <laughs> to expect Hardest tough, of balls. tough yes. questioning here. So I, I'll go first. I know Sitch has a, Sitch has a question as well, but uh -huh. I'll start off. Ian, why does Tim Pool always make you sit behind the flying saucer? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I think because when Tim thinks of me, thinks of me as crazy. He thinks of me as like a, <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, like a psychonaut. He's like, well, I guess of all my friends, he's the psychonautist one. Wow. So he'll be the UFO guy. He's trying to dismiss your credibility. I can't believe it. Wow. But I like that thing. I would keep it if, I, if anyone tried to take it away from me. I'd make a frown face. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> my question is a very important question. Okay. It's um, why do so many Nazis love your show? <laughs> Oh, I can answer that. Okay. I Well, if it's true, I don't know if it's actually true, but I think there was a claim. Yeah. Why do so many neo-Nazis watch? Is like Emma Viglin maybe said something about Yes, that. maybe. I think what's happening is if young people or are being radicalized or have been radicalized or might be radicalized in the future, they'll look for like, like the Timcast IRL is a kind of show where you can kind of, we talk about topics that can radicalize people, but we de we do it in a way that de-radicalizes because we'll look at both mm. sides of it. So people that maybe are going to go off the deep end can tend or maybe drawn to a show like that and listen. And then I think a lot of times they find their way back to normalcy and are able to like, okay, I'm not crazy. Yes. Kindness is the most important thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Hate is not the way forward. Wow. I, this is, I love this, this answer. Is, this is why people like you, Ian, because I gave you a joke troll question and you honest it and you answered it with honest sincerity. Yes, man. totally. Yes. Yeah, well, we, we want to talk a little bit about that because uh, honestly, and I do, I like your answer and I agree. We're constantly being charged with that kind of thing, obviously. Just, I think because it's an effective move politically to say, you know, really despicable people watch your show and why mm -hmm. is that? I mean, my, I, you know, we're trying to persuade people here. So if we can't get those people to even watch our show, how are we supposed to persuade them not to be insane, right? So they kind of put you in a, a weird situation where you're like, well, you know, obviously I don't want a bunch of white nationalists running around the U.S. So if, I, if, if, um, if they're watching our show and they become more moderate from watching our show or see the flaws in their own argument, I mean, that's a good thing, right? That we should be striving for that. 100%. And it's possible that we have we've already circumvented a civil war or circumvented World War III just by having the communication. It was like a, a big part of the ethos of Minds, which I co-founded with Bill Altman in like 2011, 2012, kind of, uh, was when we really got it rolling. And it was like, you know, censorship, 
unjust censorship drives people to radicalization. If they're not allowed to speak, then they scream. I think Vivek Ramaswamy was saying this. If they can't speak, then they scream. And if they can't scream, then they mobilize. So you've wow. got to let people communicate horrible thoughts in order to realize how horrible they are and get past them. I, mean, I had that, that experience in my, in my life, just my personal life with my girlfriend or like friends. If I'm, if I'm feeling upset and we don't talk it out, that, that shit stays for and it doesn't even like it's not going to go away until you are able to, you know, mm -hmm. override it and communicate. Well, you have to deal with it. Uh, first of all, Adam, you spelled guitar wrong. Did I? How you titled? You put, <laughs> yeah. you put guitar. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> guitar. That's in my Twitter profile. I play the guitar. <laughs> Is um, it really? Wait, did no. you just, just copy? <laughs> okay. So I got it right. Look, Sitch. That's not okay. a typo. Fuck off oh, okay. already. Okay. Uh, but oh, so here's a question I have, because, you know, I used to have a feeling where I was pretty much like, you know, sunlight's the best disinfectant. Let all the let all the bigots and the crazy people, you know, let them all be seen and heard. But I don't know. I feel like I'm starting to, to move a little bit away from that position into the position that I think I don't really have. I don't know if I have a problem with, like Twitter and YouTube banning just overt open racism even and i think that should include overt racism against white people which it often doesn't include um you know i think what you're talking about is an interesting t conversation because censorship on its face isn't evil it's necessary uh mm -hmm. without any censorship you have madness chaos and that leads to absolute dissolution of of, of organization so you need like just censorship right. you know I I don't know now when it comes to like racism, that's a question of like it's legal to be racist. Mm -hmm. um, it, there are like you know there are legal forms of racism in the United States. So, but then it's like YouTube's a private company, so it doesn't have to adhere to like U.S. law if it doesn't want to. Which that's another conversation. Should it have to since it functions so heavily in the commons, um, adhere to U.S. law? Like Mines is of the stance that we. It's a U.S. law based. If it's illegal in the United States, then it is illegal on mines. But if it's legal in the United States, then it's legal on mines. Well, would, would, and, do you mean when you say they don't have to adhere to U.S. law, do you mean in terms of like they don't have yeah, to adhere to to law that the government has that applies to the government? Or do you that's mean what like, I meant. OK, right. Um, no, no, no. I meant thanks for clarifying. Uh, I didn't mean it so vaguely. I mean, like they don't have to. Uh, they don't they, they can ban things that aren't illegal in the United States. Yeah, that's right. What I mean. Right. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. They're, they're not like bound to leave things on their platform like the u.s can't arrest you for being racist on the street right but yeah. unless yeah unless you violate some sort of law and when it comes to like is it wise to censor that stuff oh off the internet i don't know man i don't i tend to be like let people speak mm -hmm. and you know the best ideas rise to the top but there is an argument that like bad ideas get traction and then brainwash people into becoming bad ideas bad people right. um i just don't think centralized authority is the best place to make that decision like a like a youtube administration like a central <laughs> government because it's too much in the hands of a small group of people to decide what what stays and what goes and that's not really the ethos of the united states where these companies came from yeah i mean that's i think that's the big promise because you know we've all lost faith i mean rightfully so in youtube and a lot of these other organizations to properly uh, censor things in a way that's not over the top or not adhering to kind of like a overly politically correct, you know, framework. Because um, like I think in like I feel like if in the 90s or the, the 2000s, you know, people were 
had more confidence in like, you know, even obviously YouTube wasn't around in the nineties, but had more confidence in these institutions ability to kind of like censor overt racism without, you know, while still protecting, you know, free speech and ideas that, you know, uh, politically sensitive people might find offensive. So, but I guess, I guess, I, I guess to me, it would really depend on the outcome. And I don't know if it's ever been studied. I'm sure someone studied somewhere would be like, does allowing overt racism on these platforms, does that actually help does that make people more racist at the end of the day, or does that actually help kind of get rid of those ideas? You know, I think Bill Bill Ottman would be a fantastic guest on your show. Mm-hmm. He's the CEO of Minds, and this is his life. Is what he, he deals with studies that look at does it radicalize, does it de-radicalize, allowing bad ideas, right. forcing good ideas. And he he could probably answer that question. Cool. Do you have I'll a... put you in touch with him? Okay, nice, cool. Thank do you, you do you have a an opinion on the social contagion argument for the trans debate that's going around? Yeah. Yeah. I think that social contagion is legit for good mm. and evil. Like you can put out good ideas and they will contagiously infect other people with good ideas and vice versa. And whether or not, you know, but um, trans is good or bad. I'm not making a claim about that. Um, but I think young kids that are buried in machines and detached from like socialization can be programmed by the machine and by the by the noises coming out of the machine and the visuals coming out of the machine and if someone's telling them like that they are something or that it's okay to be that if you think you might be then maybe you are like i could see how that could could change someone to start to think that they are yeah for whatever whatever it is including uh transgenderism or you know healthy you know you could convince someone that they're healthy from a young age and convince them that they're very intelligent they'll probably become more intelligent yeah, I read about social contagion long before the trans stuff really became a prominent issue. So it seems obvious to me that there is a social contagion component to this, but a lot of people just slap that away as if it's not and you real. Know, there's kind of a compounding effect because on the internet, you can find what you look for. Back yep. in the day, you just kind of saw what came at you. I mean, yep. you could go to a library, you could rent a movie, but like the only movies that were out are the ones that were chosen to be put out in your face. And the only books at the library, there were only like 10,000, 20,000 books at the library. Now, any kind of information, even if it's wrong, you can find it almost. So that compounds like, I think this might be me. I want to look for it now and I see it. So now I know it's reinforcing. Yeah. It's concerning, man. I, I'm very, I'm very concerned because algorithms and artificial intelligence and centralized authority could, that, that have a, a desire to make people a certain way uh, you know, social crafting. Yeah. I think that's happening somewhat in these authoritarian regimes, like, like China and Russia, where they are basically engaging in those kind of social experiments. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if that sort of authoritarian regime can survive. I think in our, like in our current politics, the reason why these open societies, these liberal democracies, tend to outcompete authoritarian regimes is because we have an innovation cycle that uh, creates new technologies that just completely outpace these, these other nations. But nations like China and Russia, they're basically stealing our technology. So our people are creating the innovation and then they're taking advantage of it to subjugate their people. But if America, and it looks like we might be going this way because of the, I don't know if you read about the chip thing where we're cutting China off from our high-end 
chips because we're worried about them getting some sort of AI advantage over us. But if we cut them off from our technology, I think they will have a tough time creating new technology of their own. Yeah, probably. And even then, the U.S. government really is is piggybacking off of the innovation of the U.S. citizenry, which is the government. The government's a, uh, is an extension of, oh, of the people course. in the United yeah. States. And like the the reason, like if the U.S. government, if we just were like the U.S. government is us, the government's everything, the government's the answer. Like, did you guys see how the mil U.S. government military dot mil were sending all these emails, but to dot ml, which is Mali. So mm. they're all these people in the Pentagon are emailing sensitive data to Mali uh, instead of military. Oh and it's like God. they didn't they didn't catch it because it's like this centralized system. There's no like broad force of innovation to catch that shit before it wow. goes down. And that kind of thing will lead to the destruction of the system if, if it's not able to police itself properly. And we need like that's why we need everyone. That's why we need like crowdsourced um uh, like administration, I think, and 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 censorship type type behavior, because that censoring those emails would have caught that mistake if they'd been, but they were just letting people email from their Google accounts, not really overlooking it. You hmm. you got in a recent kind of back and forth on Timcast, where, and I was super surprised to see this because it seems kind of not i mean i was surprised to see you speak up on this because it doesn't really seem like something you would speak up on but not not because it's good or bad or anything but you seem to take a position that was somewhat conservative about our institutions suffering from some kind of decay from you know the the basic political back and forth stuff that was going on and you really stepped up for preserving those institutions and, and being cautious about uh, degrading the institutions. Do you remember this exchange? Well, I know that particularly the specific day, and I'm not exactly sure the moment that you're talking mm -hmm. about, um, you might be able to refresh my mind, but I used to be pretty radical about change and governmental change. And like, I would think like in 2008, I would even make YouTube, there's probably YouTube videos up still of me saying this stuff. Like we need to get rid of the house of representatives because it's mm -hmm. ineffective. They can't properly represent. I do believe it's ineffective. I don't, I'm just to a point now where I don't think getting rid of it's the answer. I used to be like, get rid of it. Let the people represent themselves directly. But then now looking back, like that would have led to a more direct democracy, mob mentality. Someone makes a viral Twitter post, gets 100 million people to vote for some stupid shit, and then it ruins the entire system. So we've got the representatives there to kind of act as a stopgap. I'm much more I'm much more conservative about just tearing it down. I don't like the idea of tearing it down. I want to kind of maintain what we've got and augment it. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. that's a big change for me. Well, yeah, we, it was um uh, it, it, it was we watched this, I think it was was it the Trump it was a Trump speech or something and he made a comment about um wanting to destroy the deep state or something to that effect and I th um you pointed out and I'm I'm really I'm really glad you did cuz I felt exactly the same way that when you know when politicians make comments like these kind of like very broad uh generalized comments you're like well what does that mean to destroy the deep state Right. Are you talking about just to like weed out the bad actors? Are you talking about like to destroy like these entire institutions, you know, altogether, like the State Department, the FBI? And I understand that, you know, a lot of these institutions have problems in them and corruption in them. But we, you know, we need to have institutions that do these things in our country. 
And when someone talks about like raising it to the ground, I think, you know, caution is warranted. And I give you a lot of credit, uh, Ian, that, you know, you were like the one person in the room that was <laughs> that was like defending, you know, the concept of these institutions and everyone else was attacking you. And I'm sure most people in the audience were attacking you, too. So I just give you a lot of credit for standing your ground there. Thank you for pointing that out. I used to be I, I would have this like um these like philosophy, mental gymnastic things I would do with myself. And I used to be like, what if I just pushed a button and killed every mosquito? Cause I hate mosquitoes. I would, I was going through a phase where I hated mosquitoes. I'm like, that'd be great, man. No more mosquitoes. And I was like, wait, how would that affect the ecosphere? Frogs mm -hmm. eat mosquitoes. What animals would die off if all the mosquitoes right. were gone? What would that lead to Eco ec ecological collapse? And it's the same with the deep state or with any kind of government, like in Iraq, when they went in and just fired the bat, the, the Americans went in, invaded, took over and and removed the Ba'ath Party, which was Saddam Hussein's political party from power. And they made it so that they none of them could serve in the government again. They went off and formed ISIS. Yep. Like they were like, yo, we have all these fucking connections. We're not gonna let you, who do you think you are, guy, anyway? And so I don't wanna see that happen in the United States. All those people with all those connections with Lockheed Martin and Boeing, if, if you're gonna change that system, you give you tell me what you're gonna change it into. Don't just tell me you wanna knock it down. I'm not into that. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. Imagine disbanding the CIA. What kind of trouble are those guys? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. What kind of trouble are those guys going to get into? I can't exactly. imagine them not showing up Monday morning at some place. That's going to be the new <laughs> CIA headquarters, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot about like no one guy has has any kind of authority in this world. It, it is either a crowd movement or nothing. Like if one guy goes in, and is like, I'm going to change everything now. All thousand of you with all these guns and military connections are you're like, yeah, right, dude. Good luck. No, mm -hmm. no. Same with Barack Obama, man. He went in in 08. I was a huge advocate for Obama. And he was in there for like six months to a year. And he was pretty much ready to oversee a revolution of some sort in the United States. Like He was prepped to like stand by and allow people to change the government for the better. And no one did anything. They just sat there. And so he slowly got co-opted by all the interests around him because he couldn't do shit. He's one guy. We need right. like a movement of people to, you know, ethically alter the constitution in a way it needs to be changed to update it, to be able to interact with this new technology, this internet. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think with, with Obama too, like whenever, like in my opinion, whenever you see like these systems are producing these outcomes, everyone assumes that it's bad actors, which it is to an extent. But I think what also happens that people don't appreciate until they're in the position to see how the sausage is made is that these systems end up basically incentivizing some behavior in some way because like the alternative is worse or just that is what like the end result of a democracy you know ends up kind of producing this result and in order to fix that it's like you have to convince so many people down the line to actually change something for the better that would end up hurting them which no one at the end of the day wants to do everyone wants to be kind of self-interested yeah but, uh, maybe hyperbolic to say everyone but i know what you mean like right. Some yeah, people are willing sure. to make Thank sacrifices, right. like get off the grid and yeah. maybe not. But I know I know exactly what you mean. Unless, right. unless right. people are willing to accept that there's going to be some sort of sacrifice like $29 hamburgers. You know, if we really want to stop our world conquest and obsession with forcing the U.S. dollar, if we really want to stop that, you've already seen what's happened in the last four years with inflation. Like mm -hmm. the reason people are like it used to be so great. Only one parent had to work. I'm like, yeah, that's because we were like conquering the world and, and riding off the back of all this slave trade and stuff. They just didn't know it.
Well, I mean, so, also the economy was structured very differently. You know, back in those days, labor had significant. Um, that's that, that's a good example. Like labor had significantly more power in like the post World War II era, but then labor having more power led to a large inflation. And then it's like so. Then we basically, with Reagan came in, we kind of traded uh, low inflation but weakening labor, and it kind of that's like the trade off. And people just kind of people wanted it. They want it all essentially. They don't understand that there are these trade offs that you have to basically deal with. Well, and technology has um, been weakening labor ever since. Well, that's a good point too, right? And globalization and exports and everything of that nature. And that makes me think of the the Writers Guild strike, mm -hmm. like with AI. AI is taking over the writing industry. And, <laughs> yeah, and they're all out there like, no, stop! And you're like, are you kidding me? Look at the history of technology; it doesn't stop. Like adapt or die, not literally, but the the mm -hmm. jobs will adapt or die, die off. You know, there will be no more humans writing with pens i mean maybe not no more but it'll be humans prompting ai to write things and one guy will be able to write 20 20 times the amount of stories because he'll have the ai throwing all these ideas at him he'll go okay. in and make edits so it'll be like another form of creativity and it, it saddens me to watch people just scream out no no go away stop mm -hmm. like it's it's will accept the, it you know will the ai be the audience though i wonder when, when if ai is actually creates a situation where we're all kind of producing works of art but there is no real audience <laughs> because the audience is so spread out will, will, Dude, will ai step in and start being the audience <laughs> i think so yeah and i think it'll incentivize people like the ai wants our data so that it can use it to create more data totally so it will incentivize it'll incentivize good creation and it will probably pay you for its joy like if it it can it's like this is useful receive some crypto for your work and people be like okay I, i'm not even you know i'm just here to please the system so are you, are you i don't know are you a believer in in universal basic income being inevitable or like how do we face this challenge where obviously we're going to reach a point where human labor is just wholly inadequate in the face of what machines can do like there will be no job that a human can do better than a machine so why would you obviously like why are you going to hire a human tax accountant if it's completely inferior and costs more money than the ai tax accountant yeah anything that requires calculations jobs that rely on calculation power are going to be supplanted by ai but like things like carpentry well, machines can do carpentry, but like plumbing, you know, things where where there's like challenging bits of manual labor are will probably be the last vestiges of human of human work. I think those um, are going whole... too, though. I mean, seriously, there uh, Tesla is working on a, a a robot, and that robot will be a factory worker. Okay, this makes sense. I've been railing against the jobs economy for a long. The idea of a job economy—it's a Federal Reserve tactic. Like we want want you, guy, guy A, dig a hole. Guy B, fill the hole back up. Right. And they pay us, but they pay both of them with right. money that they that then they require back at interest. So the people are in constant debt slavery servitude, and they're just doing like busy work. To, yeah. So they don't because they don't want revolutionaries. They want people to stay busy and and sad and like weak and like sucking off the system but we don't need jobs like jobs aren't like you just need to survive you know you need to you need to be that is your 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 one thing is homeostasis if you can exist that is your so whether or not like universal basic income could help us 
help us maybe meet more of like our, our divine purpose. It is possible. I don't, mm-hmm. I, there's a big difference between having zero and having a little bit, having like zero to your name and having, you know, $1,000 to your name is a huge, mm-hmm. people with zero have a very hard time getting out of it because they don't have showers. They don't have a place to sleep. Like those two things will get you a job. If you stink, if you don't have clean clothes, you're not, it's going to be very hard to, to fit in, to get, to get your footing. So of course. if we, if we could, so, but I don't think necessarily throwing money at someone that doesn't want to participate is gonna make them want to participate right yeah, it's, it's it's this kind of delicate balancing situation because i mean i agree when you're at zero that's like the hole to climb out of zero can be like impossible for a lot of people um but then on the same token where i i guess i disagree i don't like i don't like with the fed and kind of the way that our government works and the economy works like, I don't think there's an intention to basically force people to work to prevent revolutionary action. I think it's just that psychologically, you know, when people just acquire things for free versus when they acquire things for working for them, I think that has a dramatic effect on the people's behavior. And it seems like overall people are able to be more responsible, I guess, with their money, more responsible with their property when they have a sense that they worked for it as opposed to it just being like gifted to them. That's a really good point. It gives people purpose and right. purpose will make, will prevent people from becoming radicalized. So yeah, that's a good And I point. guess that's, and that's kind of the problem. Cause it's like, if we have, you know, when we have the robots do everything, you know, what is the purpose of humans? Are we all just going to, their purpose all just going to be to like, you know, masturbate and play video games all day. Like people need a grander purpose, I think generally than just entertainment. And I'm not sure what exactly that's going to be you compete compete in in other areas sports art yeah but if the robots are all doing art right like well i mean human made art will i will still compete right that thank goodness art is subjective (laughs) is every is everything just going to be art based i mean what about all the non-artists like myself adam well you'll have to figure something out Okay. You'll have to look, you'll be competing on making video essays, right? Nothing's going to change. The, the, You're going to have an AI helper. Make better essays, video essays than anyone, okay? There's something about the physical body of a human mm-hmm. vibrating and the bones, the crystalline hydroxyapatite <laughs> bones inside a human body that are vibrating that, like, I don't think a robot's going to be able to duplicate. I mean, they might be able to simulate it in a way, but there's something very special about animals. That are different than than non-animals um mm-hmm. so i don't well, know i don't know yeah. if it'll be eradicated maybe maybe the robots will attempt to subjugate the, the animals but <laughs> or, or the the humans that that bind with the robot will then try to subjugate the animal humans yeah i do kind of foresee that 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 the homo sapien will bifurcate at some point and we'll have like homo roboticus and <laughs> homo sapien and roboticus will be like why can't they sense what i'm about to think they must be stupid just ensla- enslave them like cattle, you know, and they'll, they'll look at all, all the non-cyborgs as like cattle. What I can about, see that happening. What about travel, Sitch, and like fishing and camping? Well, I, you know, Ian brings up the, the merging with machine. And I guess, I mean, I think that might be the, the end, the pathway here is that we're basically, over the next hundred years, we're going to create robots that basically do everything for us. And there's going to be a time period which is going to be problematic where basically humans don't do anything and we just travel. let the machines do everything and people just travel and they do entertainment. That's not nothing. And then 
Right. But then after a year, everyone gets kind of sick of that and people need purpose in their life. They need struggle and conflict in their life. Um, but I do think maybe the solution to that is then we start merging with the machines and we basically gain that level of intelligence and then we find new challenges because there's always going to be new challenges, new things to explore that we're just not aware of because, you know, we're they're so outside of our realm currently. You know what we could do? Maybe what will happen is the human will be used or we will use our bodies to explore and document mm -hmm. and then transmit the data to the species to experience our perception of the travel. Yeah, because the way you the way you perceive something, your emotional state makes the thing different, seems different than if you perceive it in a different way. So everyone's going to see a mountain in a different it's going to be a different experience for everyone. And mm -hmm. the more you can kind of incorporate other people's experiences into their per their perceptions into your consciousness, then it may give you a more rich experience when you go there. Like you, I know, you know, I, I know how you felt when you were there. So I'm excited to see it. And, and then that could, that could enhance our species cognitive abilities. That's a, you know, I'm glad you said this. That's a really great point because you know, what you're talking about is, if, if humans gain the technology essentially to to capture not just like a visual image but the actual personal experience that an individual person has when they like look at a mountain or, or play an instrument or do whatever and then capture that in information format and then transmit it to someone else so they can experience it that would totally drastically completely change everyone's perspective of everything completely change the world and maybe part of the issue that we have when we kind of like trying to look forward to the future and we kind of have this black pill or this nihilistic or this doom and gloom attitude is that like what you were just talking about, like we can't even perceive like when that will happen or what the world would be like when that technology exists. And we're kind of making a mistake here by by thinking like, oh, what are we going to do when the robots do everything under our current paradigm of how we exist? And it's like, well, that's going to open so many doorways, so many pathways to experience in life that we're not even thinking about until it actually happens. Yeah, I was thinking while you were saying that, that like if we were I'm not into the Borg, the, the idea that we would all be in a in a Collective. neural net right. thinking each other's thoughts. I mean, I think that some humans will do that and that like when one of them gets better at guitar, all of them will get better at guitar kind of thing. And, and they mm -hmm. will just hyper advance their their abilities. Um but the problem is if one of them kills someone then all of them killed someone like and that will also enhance that type of behavior so wow the dark you know the radical acceleration of, of behavioral integrity i i the, there's almost always a dark side to anything you can any good you can think of there's going to be a bad and a, any bad you can think of there might there could probably be a good of course they say there's, every cloud is a silver lining have you read ray kurzweil the transhumanist no. guy are you no no i know of, of him do you, are you into transhumanism? Is that something you're? Yeah, you think is yes. going to happen? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's happening right now. We're like in the in the early stages with the internet and with cell phones and the ability to interface with data so rapidly. Are you? Some people are. Are you a materialist? Would you call yourself like a physicalist? Do you believe in like philosophically just a world that is the material world and that's all there is, or do you believe in like a spiritual realm? Uh, you know, when you talk about matter, material, um, mm -hmm. I think when you talk about matter, they say there's four types, four states of matter that we've identified so far, solid, liquid, gas, and plasma. And mm -hmm. I was reading about uh, plas plasmon, M-O-N, plasmon, and it's a, it's like 
these plasma in, in, in plasma clouds in nature in the very center there's these surface plasmon and it looks like photons which aren't considered material they're just they're not matter but photons which they probably are material we just don't identify them they bounce off of the plasmon and cause it to to react so it's like light is interacting with matter in these plasma clouds and you see the plasma clouds almost look sentient the way they're moving around uh, so in that sense i am materialistic in that i think god is interfacing with matter through light or through through vibration or, or it goes way deep you know the human vocabulary is not currently equipped to truly understand or explain maybe never will be but um i think that there's things i don't understand that wouldn't be classified as matter but that all understanding is material in nature uh i i suppose mm -hmm. i think there's almost um you know like when people talk about like materialism versus idealism like i i guess i understand like the concept but in my mind um i feel like this kind of it's kind of like a false dichotomy because i think you know if you believe in like that the, there, there is a mind, there is a spirit, there is some sort of etherical thing that kind of controls you or, or dictates your life. I think that is, I mean, I, I think that thing is matter. That thing exists in physical reality and physical reality has to accommodate that if it exists. It's just that we don't scientifically understand it. So we kind of create the separation that maybe doesn't really exist. Yeah, there's the uh, cosmic microwave background radiation. I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. have ever seen a, a picture of it. But they yeah. lately in the last 10, 10, 20 years have identified it with radio telescopes. And it's this web of radiation left over after the Big Bang. And it looks like a neural pathway, like it looks like a brain, a bunch of um, neurons. And I mean, that to me, this undulating force of neural force of radiation, it's universal. I mean, come at some point, I'm like, is that God? Or is that like <laughs> one one way to look at God right and it's arcing through planetoids like you can see it like hitting these like hot spots where there's galaxies and then like arcing through it and like animating things and you your heartbeat I mean this energy is is every moment it's like going through you and shocking your heart to continue mm -hmm. so I I don't we don't quite call it matter you know people say it's like ethereal but but you know with the right tools we might be able to identify it as a type of matter do, do, so do you believe in, that there's anything supernatural? You you mentioned God, but it seems like you're talking about God as kind of a concept, not really like the traditional notion of God outside of time and space. Yeah, yeah I never, I didn't, I was always agnostic growing up. Um, never really, it's like prove it or, or don't bother me with it. Um, right, okay. That's see, materialism right there. Yeah. So seeing the cosmic microwave background radiation, I'm like, okay, this is evidence that there's a God. This is for sure. And um, my subconscious talking to me, like that's mm -hmm. evidence that something is going on. Uh, I I just, I do believe that it is there to be discovered. I don't think that it's like, we'll never know. And so don't even try. I think that we're learning what God was microscopes. Like we learned what cells were all of a sudden. Then we saw subatomic, we see the atom and the, and the electron and they, and they look like planets, like sun and, a, and planets orbiting around. And then you go even even smaller and you see these subatomic spinners and like it's just mo motion like like mo it, it is and then i'm like reading the reading the bible or parts of the bible and it's like like where it's like i am i am the the truth the way the light i think jesus said that or is quoted as saying i am the truth the way and the light and it's like yeah i am, god is the way things move it is the way it, it, it's just a, 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 a an angular momentum in action, 
all mm -hmm. of this, what we think of as substance is just angular momentum, at least from the subatomic perspective at this point, you know, we'll always go deeper. Ian, do you have a favorite it, book or like a favorite idea? I think my favorite, my favorite idea is consciousness. Right. That's my favorite. Okay. Topic. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Look, uh, it, I, go, go ahead. It, it sounds like, it sounds like what you're saying is that, that you feel like the universe is an emergent property of, of God or God's like will or consciousness. Would that be accurate? Yeah. But what's causing it? That's what I want to know. Why mm -hmm. is it moving the way it's moving? Is it just is it just a gravitational well? Is it just magnetic force in action, the Casimir effect pushing bodies together? Or or is something sentient out there or in here moving it as it's moving? Like there's a theory we're inside of a black hole. And that's why space is black, because we're in the black hole looking out. And that everything out everything inside of us is actually coming into our universe from outside. Mm. Like we're, we're we're willing it into our space. That's very yeah, so, it's interesting. I didn't, I haven't heard the the black hole thing, but it's awesome. I, yeah, someone told me about it at Christmas like six years ago <laughs> or something, and it's been on my mind ever since. Do you uh -huh. do you know about the hard? They call it the hard problem of consciousness. How they go from materialist the materialist realm to what creates consciousness. Obviously, there are a lot of people studying the brain and trying to figure out how the brain works as a neural net network, but they haven't been able to to figure out how what we understand about the brain turns into our conscious experience. It's like one of the biggest, hardest problems in science right now. It seems like, I don't know a lot about the, what you call the hard, the hard problem. It's called of the hard problem of consciousness. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's, Cause this is why I was like, I wasn't really going to talk about this, but it's, it's, I sent you a book by Donald Hoffman called the case against reality. So Donald Hoffman has this idea, it's called uh, user interface theory. And he says, e evolution basically designed us to simplify the world. And organisms that see a simpler version of the world will have a survival and reproductive advantage over organisms that see a more complicated <clears throat> view of the world. So his argument is that the world that we see and perceive as human beings is really just kind of a user interface, like a VR headset. And what we've been studying with science and space-time and all that stuff is literally just the VR headset. And we haven't even really looked down inside the computer that's driving the VR headset. Well, so, so I, I, think a, I think a little Hold on, just better... one, one second, Sid. Okay. So he's okay. proposed, he's, he's basically mm -hmm. said, the reason we haven't been able to solve this hard problem of consciousness is because we're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking at the VR headset and not at the, the underlying reality that serves the VR headset. So he's proposed this crazy hypothesis that the world is really various forms of consciousness interacting with one another. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's like completely mind blowing. So he's basically, uh, um, he's trying to, to turn this hypothesis into a mathematical thing that will output things like space time and i mean it's crazy the guy is talking to people at like cern laboratory i guess in the particle physicist world they've discovered these structures that literally exist outside of space and time like time <laughs> does not apply to them really yeah so wow. so they've contacted him to say oh maybe this is some evidence of your theory <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's just completely bonkers yeah
just just to make his theory a little bit more uh, clear to people listening, because it is kind of like hard to wrap. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Go ahead, simplify. Yeah, I think, it for I, us. I think a slightly better way to kind of analogize it is it's like he's saying that basically the way we perceive reality is like desktop is like like the icons on your desktop, and so like we're experimenting by like dragging the de the desktop items into your like your trash bin or copy pasting them or whatever, and we think that that is like how that's the reality reality yeah. is how like the little menus and the displays that you visually see on your computer work except that's we know that's not how it works we know that beneath this visual display there's all this ones and zeros and coding and he's saying that we need to get it the you know the ones and the zeros beneath whatever we're perceiving yeah and your brain i think that your whole perceiver it, your stomach your heart your brain these neural pathways and stuff are like a radio s signal like that can be tweaked so like the data, the ones and zeros that are that are spinning, all this, this subatomic momentum or whatever that's that's causing the data to erupt as perception, mm -hmm. um, can be perceived in different ways depending on your mood. Like, yes. your 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 radio tuner, like whether or not you're tuned into understanding what the hell someone's saying depends on what you ate earlier or how you feel or if you're paying attention because of what you ate. Um, mm -hmm. Whether or not you're hearing God clearly is like, are you? are you distracted like is your body is your mind clouded is it is it are you getting static because you're not quite there on the right frequency because you don't have the right posture so like we're tuning our our mechanisms to perceive it uh reality as it is but like and that doesn't mean that it has to be the way we think it is every time like it's obviously your perception is um is fallible or, or at least can, is tweakable yeah and I, I think, constantly I think, yeah continue there i was going to say and constantly changing and, and you know i don't think people generally give enough credit to the fact that how much of our moods and how much of these like biochemical reactions in our brain control our behavior you know when someone tells you something and you react you think this is my reaction and i was like well maybe it's not your reaction maybe it's your angry reaction or your sad reaction or your hunger reaction yes do you uh, have a... people, like i'm so fill in the blank like well you're more than you you know you're a hundred trillion particles deciding what you think sorry adam well no do you have a a take on free will because we are kind of like drifting into that is it yeah. just our bodies driving us or is do we have any sort of free will yeah i think we do i think it's there's such a thing as destiny and that we are in tune with the vibration of reality we are part of it we are actually literally spinning particles that are forming causing matter to coagulate in the form that we know as a human body and it's just it's it's constant but and, and you're like bound with God or with this superstructure, like to be part of the system. And, and when you're in the flow state, you know, like you're part of it's like Tim Ballard, for instance, when he's saying he goes into the jungle to rescue children. This is a guy from Sound of Freedom that they made the movie about. Uh -huh. um, and, and it's like no fear when he's in there. It's like everything it, it takes over. And then when he gets out, that's when he starts to feel these emotions again, because he's part of this system. But you have free will to get out, to bend out of it, to bend away from the natural pole of, of, I don't like overusing the word God. It just, it's just such a simple term for there's so many ways to describe what is happening. And there's so many different levels to look at it from. Like you can go smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller or bigger and bigger and bigger, and you're still going to get a look at it. So, but you, it's like, we are, we are, we are being, we are part of this force, this momentive force and that we, we have free will to, to kind of bend it and sometimes that's bad like sometimes you want to allow yourself to be pulled towards what you are naturally without 
overriding it with your emotions and your thoughts. But sometimes I think being human, it's very important to use your free will to change the direction. And even that, I don't want to make this claim necessarily, but that God wants you to do that. It wants you to use your free will to create a better structured system to more coherently uh, allow uh, flow. Yeah. The, the system. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have, is there any, anything that you think that you believe that you would classify as a conspiracy? Do you, uh, do you, is there anything that like uh, conspiracies that people call conspiracies that you, you personally buy into? Yeah. The, the, the twin towers on nine 11 falling mm -hmm. in free near free fall speed. Okay. I've listened to architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, which are like 16, 1800 different architects and engineers around Earth that independently came together to kind of um, diagnose the the day, 9-11, 2001, right. September. And they're saying, okay, well, the, these buildings fall in near free fall speed. They watch the physics and they're like, that indicates a controlled demolition. That means the supports are blown out because there was no structure underneath the fall. Otherwise, it would have you'd see these pancake, you'd see like resistive force. So that I immediately, I'm like, okay, I trust science. I trust, you show me the proof, I'll, I'll, I'll take a listen. You show me the evidence, I'll, I'll look into it. And this is to me is like scientific proof that those fell in free fall. Okay. Uh, which is evident that the supports were blown out, which means that someone blew the supports out. Uh, I don't know who, and I would never make that claim, but right. that indicates to me that the supports of those buildings were blown out. And um, then I research it further and find nanothermite in the dust particles around the destructions. I worked at Ground Zero in, in October of 2001 Did for like really? two months. Wow. Yeah, I worked across the street from the pile in, in the Amex building, the American Express building, with the windows had been blown out all in the building. Like explosive force had pushed, the, blown the windows out. And I didn't think of anything of it at the time. But now learning that there was nanothermite. Um, what is nanothermite? It's a military grade incendiary used to decommission vehicles, tanks and stuff in the field. So like when the troops are in a tank and they're like in enemy territory and they're like, we can't leave it. We got to get out of here, but we can't leave the tank for the enemies. Melt it with nanothermite. It melts steel. Okay. So they, they line the tank with nanothermite. It melts the steel and totally incapacitates and destroys the tank. Wow. So steel, okay. the beams of the trade centers were made out of steel. What happens if you take uh, a bite of that nanothermite? Imagine it would melt and blow your head off. Uh, <laughs> thermite is explosive. Nanothermite's incendiary, and I don't want to talk too much about the science of it because I'm not a scientist. I don't know right. exactly. But I wouldn't risk it. it I mean, I wouldn't take a bite. It sounds like yeah, you, you I, wouldn't even be able to because the spoon would just melt. Yeah, probably it'd probably melt your head. It'd probably you'd probably melt your body into a state of free. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so when I learned about the thermite, I'm like, okay, well, that's probably how the beams were melt were cut is with thermite, nanothermite. And it just all makes sense. It mm -hmm. all makes sense. Like uh, they fell straight down and then world trade center tower seven came down later in the day. Nothing hit it. It just came down in free near free fall. So they maybe they call it a conspiracy theory, but I don't know. It just looks completely obvious to me. Okay. That's interesting. Is there any other conspiracies? Like uh, yeah. a lot of times we argue about this stuff on the show. Sitch is much more. Uh, I'm much more skeptical. Of skeptical, yeah, that's yes. the word we're looking for right. here. Yeah, the uh, the John F. Kennedy assassination fascinates okay. me because they they pinned it on Lee Harvey Oswald as the guy was being pulled away. He's like, "I'm a patsy." Is that still and a conspiracy? Because I feel like after Oliver Stone's movie, I feel like that's more drifting into the realm of just people don't buy the Oswald story. I think you're right. It, it is. When I was a kid, maybe it was considered a conspiracy. 
but I think I, to be honest, I haven't seen the, the, uh, Oliver Stone movie and maybe oh, okay. I should, I watched a bit of it. I think this recent one from like two or three years ago, that's when you're talking about uh, recently, no, relatively recently. No, JFK, the, the move, the oh, with, theatrical version. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that with, that's with, uh, what Kevin Costner. I mean, that's for, that's like forever ago. I think that's like a nineties yeah. movie. So he, Stone did another one pretty recent. That's more of a documentary, I believe. Oh, okay. And that one, he was talking about how like Oswald's rifle was in the building on like another floor and he mm -hmm. had loaned his rifle out to like the commun He was like with this like pro communist pro Castro group. He, he was kind of like a pro communist guy and he'd loaned his rifle to somebody in the organization. So then his rifle all of a sudden was in the building. Okay. Several floors away from where he was sitting, eating lunch when they found him. It just such, that's obviously anecdotal crap, but, and then I watched hmm. the the film and Kennedy goes forward and then he goes backwards and who knows because the bullet might push him forward and back. I don't know. But right. that one, I I like, uh, duh, he said he was going to break up the CIA. The CIA is, is goes and kills bad guys. Like if you threaten to dissolute the CIA, what do you think the CIA is going to do? Yeah. It's got to preserve itself. What about simulation theory? Where are you at on that? Um, well, our bodies, I think, are perceiving data as in simulating the uh, experience as senses right um uh, uh so in that we're just in a binary we're, we're like in a system of momentum that's being that's being data uh, dataized i guess uh but it doesn't mean that we're like not in reality i think that just is reality but we're we're kind of human we're looking at like the, the material third dimensional aspect of it right now right mathematically there's like way more than just three dimensions that's why it's kind of fascinating I don't know, I don't know where I'm at on the simulation theory, but when I see, I don't know if you've watched those recent releases the military has had on the UFOs. When some I some of them, when I look at those, I just think that's like an observation deck. Like the people outside the simulation are just there, like kind of looking out, turning, turning, and looking at the various different objects. You you saying the UFO? Yeah, have you seen Explain those? It. Have you seen the UFO? Uh, the Navy has recently released a bunch of UFO uh, footage they've, that they've recorded, which it's like it's the best the best evidence we have of UFOs because they actually have visual evidence, like they've recorded it on video, and also they've they have evidence of the objects existing on radar. So it's like the aircraft carrier sees it on radar. And the jet pilot has a visual of it, and they record the visual of it. I think what's happening is there's a drone program that's been going on since probably the 30s. Tesla mm -hmm. was working with, like, long-range electricity transfer. Who knows if they have fusion packs on board now, because fusion's readily available, you know, at least it's they, they're making it. They just don't give it to the common man. Um, so they might have fusion packs on board. I think what's happening is there's, there's drones, small drones, maybe unmanned drones that they're flying around at high altitudes that can go out into space and underwater um, pretty, pretty quickly. But there's mm -hmm. also something called talking plasma, which is where they take lasers or I, I believe they're lasers and they focus them from a base station or from a satellite or something. And they triangulate lasers or they biangulate. They'll hit a point in the air or in space with a bunch of with multitude of lasers and create a pocket of plasma. And okay. then they'll move it around really quick, like a laser pointer, and it'll show up on radar. And really? they can actually wow. transmit sound. Yeah. They can transmit sound through this stuff. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they can if they can transmit visual appearance through this as well. I mean, if they can they can make it look like a ball of plasma, they 
how, they may how, be able to make it look like a craft. So they they focus lasers, multiple lasers on one point in space. How do they? Yeah, what are check. they focusing them on? From like an aircraft carrier of like what kind of? Where do the lasers exist? Um, I don't know. I, okay. I've never seen a base station, but I know if you go to Military Times and look up talking plasma, it'll you can read an article about it. Oh, okay. From the I think it's naval naval technology. And, Is this uh, like Jeremy a new Riss, weapon? They like throw the plasma at something? It, no, no, it's used to transmit sound. They they can actually teleport sound through the plasma. So like they can put a plasma ball far away and then like a telephone, I guess, okay. make it sound like it's talking, literally, and um make it look. Uh, a look, and, and this also, I don't want to get too deep into what it is because we, we I defer do that. to scientists. We should do that over the Russian military. What what, what will we say to them? The talking plasma ball. Da, <laughs> da. It's good. <laughs> Exit. Yeah, everything's chill. Exit Ukraine. <laughs> oh, oh man, the Ukraine get, thing. Get That's out a concern of here. Because I think they want. A lot of people are thinking Putin wants to just conquer all of Europe or conquer Europe or something. I know. Zayhan thinks that. Peter Zahan does. Yeah, totally. I mean, maybe, maybe some part is like, yo, I'd be happy. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I mean, I don't like conquest. I don't like conquest. I don't think that's the answer, but like, well, wait a I, second I think here. What, what if it's good conquest? What if we're <laughs> delivering like sex robots to everyone? You know, there is a, that is an argument. Not, the sex robots are, are no, there, but there's an argument that like, there is a form of good conquest. Like if a dictator takes over an island and starts genociding the population and that's we go in bad, and take it yeah. over. I'm not in favor we're of like, that. Okay, now, <laughs> but then that's what we did with Cuba in uh, the Spanish-American War in 1898. The uh, Spanish Empire had control of Cuba and the Americans were like, no more. And that's no, no, no. We're not going to let you have it. So they invaded, they attacked the Spanish fleet. They destroyed it or whatever. I don't know how they won. And then uh, they liberated Cuba. Rather than conquest, they just freed it. And then Cuba became a communist hellhole, from what I have been told. Um, yeah. Had they conquered it, maybe it would be better as an American state. So I don't you know. Maybe well, you can't are... say that, but I, you know, obviously, I think there's some merit to that argument. People are actually making that argument because a lot of the places that the British colonialized or colonized, they gave them these institutions, these that were like a justice system, a legal system, all that stuff that did end up making those places better places to live. So it's the yin yang, man, like from the darkness comes the light, like the United States, one of the most grandiose, amazing countries in the history of the planet, maybe the best was con was con a result of conquest. Of like course. Just genocide and conquest, eradication of the native population. Um, the natives yeah. were, yeah, sorry, Stitch, what were you saying? Oh no, it's okay. Um, since, listen, I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually paid by the U.S. government, yeah, Sitch is a Fed and so the FBI <laughs> to to constantly defend and simp for them. Um, okay. And since I have to get my government paycheck, Sitch, don't ruin it. Come on, we're having <laughs> so much fun here. Oh no, it's what it's funny because I looked up um, the Kennedy split up the CIA thing. And Damn there's it! A quote, <laughs> is a quote that's attributed to Kennedy that the quote is um, a quote Kennedy wanted to splinter the CIA in a thousand pieces and scatter it to the wind. Um, however, at least supposedly, this quote comes from an anonymous source that said it to the New York Times in 1963. So, was it uh, a talking plasma ball? It might have been a talking plasma ball <laughs> inside his head. Yeah. Yes, maybe. But well, I wonder. Are, wow, maybe yeah. that was propaganda. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'm always skeptical. You know, it's like the, the phony mob, news from the New York Times. <laughs> it's, the Kennedys <laughs> were also like really hard on the mob, so it might have been the mob. 
like the, just the mob. Oh yeah, one. totally. Like, right. You know, Jack Ruby was he was like a mob. He was a mobster, and that's the guy that that killed uh, Lee Harvey Oswald before Oswald could talk. You know, when they had him just carrying him to jail, Jack Ruby walked up to him and killed him. And Which then is they, very Ruby suspicious. Got, and Ruby got let out of jail. Yes. Uh, was yes. it Lyndon Johnson? I think let him out. I think. I don't Maybe. remember, but I mean, yeah, the, the, whole, the whole thing with the mob was very Heck. suspicious because, you know, they thought, you know, the mob seemed like they helped uh, JFK win in some areas of the country. And then his brother obviously went very hard against the mob. So, yeah, you know, was... oh, the thing is, Bobby Kennedy, man, it, it's kind of like master. I wonder because if it was the mob and the government, I mean, here's another thing. Maybe no one wants to accept this. Maybe they just fucking don't. Maybe the government literally just doesn't know who did it. Like That's we want to believe Johnson, they know. Maybe they just don't fucking know. Like Lyndon Johnson, when they were doing the what was it, church commission, the Warren Commission? I right. think it's the Warren Commission. Lyndon Johnson was like, they were like, we didn't find any evidence. It was one shooter. The case is closed. And Lyndon Johnson was like, okay, it's done. I don't want to. I don't want to poke the hornet's nest because he thought that if mm -hmm. if it came out that Kennedy that there was some mafia or CIA that it would it would unravel and destroy the nation. And he might have been right. So like well, he, if it was a CAA, went... I think I agree. Like if it was a CAA that did it, I would agree with you. Or if it was like a foreign government, maybe you don't want to start a war or something. Well, actually, yeah, no, I think. But if course. it was a mafia, I feel like if it was a mafia that did it, I'm not sure why they would hide it. Because you think they could get a lot of political leverage to basically wipe out the mafia using that as an excuse. But they're getting campaign contributions from the mob, though. Well, I guess, yeah, if they're in bed with the mafia, sure. But, you know. Somewhere along the way, someone's going to want to throw the mafia under the bus, you'd think. I think you mentioned foreign governments. I think that that's also something Lyndon was very afraid of, was that there was foreign governments involved or maybe he even had evidence. I don't know if he had evidence of it. And that would have been foreign government involved with killing the president. Total yeah. world war. Like, no, 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 no. This is the well, same thing that happened with the Tupac murder. Los Angeles yeah. PD didn't want to right. get involved because right. Los Angeles PD was involved. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the the... Soviets would have done it. I mean, it's possible that there was some rogue person that did it and they don't necessarily want to bring it up because then that would maybe spark a war with a government that wasn't really responsible. Yeah, that's what world sparked World War One was uh right. what's his name? The dude Duke the... Ferdinand getting killed. Yeah, who, who killed Ferdinand? Do you remember that guy's name? Oh uh, not off my head. Not yeah. Giuseppe. It was but it was like three dudes tried to and they basically catalyzed an entire world war. Three guys. Gavrilo Princep. Princep, yeah, Gavrilo Princep. He's yeah. the dude that actually threw the threw the grenade into the carriage where and killed right. uh, Archduke and his wife. But three guys were on the road trying to kill the Archduke, and two of them like missed their shot or couldn't yep. take the shot properly. Yep. <clears throat> that's well, all. Yeah, that's a good point. We're getting yeah. close to an hour, and I want to be conscious of Ian's time. We have a, some really generous super chats here that are lavishing yeah. praise on Ian, though, so you should probably read them, Sitch. Um, there's 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 positives and negatives. So what do you mean? I only see all I see is positive. Uh, Lucin Lemonbuck for ten dollars says hi, Ian. Sending love to Mister Bukus. Mister Bukus. Yes, Bukus is doing well. Is that Thank your you. cat? You have a cat yeah. or a dog? Okay. Yeah, it's a cat. He's nice. awesome. I have a cat yeah. too. We treat him with stem cells, man, and it's just amazing to oh, watch nice. him get back to health. Wow. Yeah. How old's your cat? People? Probably four and a half. He was born like a street cat and oh, was malnourished. Okay. His mom was probably you. malnourished, so he had an enlarged heart and small kidneys. And they were like, he's done. Just mm -hmm. toss him. And we we're like, no, no, we're taking him the distance, man. Well, I thought, yeah, him. obviously, that's a young cat. So yeah. props to and you for to saving live. his life. Yeah. Yeah, right. dude. Well, he's saving his own life. That's for sure. It's, I'm just here with him, giving him heat. That's awesome. 
mad red mad rhetoric for 20 euros says uh, please tell ian that the schwartz schwartz child proton is disproved through various experiments i can go into detail if necessary but i will not pay to do so for fools pretending in my expertise wow i, I would love harsh. to see the I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was evidence that counters it. So send it to me on Twitter. The Schwarzschild proton is Nassim Harriman's paper uh, explaining that the universe is equal density and uh, explaining that every proton is two protons, is actually two protons revolving around each other at the speed of light, depositing information into the vacuum and then repositing the vacuum wow. information back to you. So like every proton everywhere in the universe is putting information into this substrata that's then doing a massive calculation and giving you a localized response, which is why you might think like, why am I affecting things that are far away? But also when science, sometimes when scientific concepts are disproven, it just means that there's two different ways to look at the same thing. And it doesn't mean that either one of them are wrong. It just means that both of them are right. So, but I'm interested to see. So send it to mm -hmm. me on Twitter. Cool. What's your, uh, what's your, your Twitter handle? At Ian Crossland. There you go. There you go, Matt. Yeah, send that send that to Ian and me. Like me. I'd be curious to see that too. Uh CT for five Canadian says, no, no, it's fine, Ian. It won't affect the ecosystem. Mosquitoes aren't a main food source for anything. They're just snacks. We can kill them all. Oh, what a world <laughs> if that were true. You know, mosquitoes I are the in, worst. Yeah, yeah, I was in LA. I lived in LA for a long time and I had this apartment. And for whatever reason, one night I had a uh, mosquitoes got in to my 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 apartment and uh they were flying around, they were chill. And then one like got near me and I killed it. And then other ones started attacking me <laughs> and, and like trying to bite me. And I was like, wow, I, I they, they're conscious. They he have killed his mom. So, I don't know. Yeah, don't whenever, whenever I've had mosquitoes in the house, they're never chill. They always go <laughs> to me. So I've come on site with mosquitoes. I, I knew a girl in the jungle in South America who she does ayahuasca retreats and she's very spiritual. She's like, mm -hmm. I let them suck me. Just let them take, I am one with nature. But she, when she said, I let them suck me, I was like, oh my God, because she's kind of Spanish. Right. <laughs> Probably should, very poor choice of words. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a... um, Solo Doge for $2 wants to know if you have a take on the Destiny Sneeko drama. I kind of been following it. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I thought they were friends. Well, I knew they, they were at odds and then they did some shows together and then they, now they're at odds again, and Sneeko, who I, I don't even know his real name. I wish I knew his name. Um, he said some stuff about uh, Steven, who's Destiny, Steven's wife, maybe, uh, mm -hmm. Melania. And then Steven was like, well, your girlfriend's trash. Like, I don't know exactly what the beef is, so I can't really comment too much okay. on it. But I love that they're having the conversation. And I, <laughs> I think even if animosity pops out, it, that they're willing to talk and communicate is so key. Mm -hmm. So the newest thing is... Um... Nico made some comment because Nico always defends Andrew Tate. Destiny kind of attacked defending Andrew Tate. Sneeko responded by saying, your wife invited me to Sweden, implying to like have sex. And then uh, Destiny's wife responded with a picture of a chair in a corner saying, I saved you your favorite spot. <laughs> implying that, you know, he would watch them have sex. So it's pretty... Pretty brutal on Twitter right now. Did you see the Sneeko clip, though, where he says Nick Fuentes is going to be the next president of the United States? I mean, that's I did see little... that, and it's completely preposterous and stupid. That's <laughs> like... a little crazy. Yeah. It was, it was after, and it was made really crazy. It was literally after Nick gave his, like, get rid of the Jews speech. <laughs> so... Yeah. I didn't see the speech. Oh, did you guys see the speech? I didn't see his speech. Yeah, I did. I don't know, man. The Nick, this, like, hate on Nick is really concerning because, like, 
he's like a young jokester. He was telling me, or or I think he was talking about on a show, maybe yeah. Alex or something. That like when he was a kid, he was like on 4chan doing whatever, and it's like okay, everyone's mm-hmm. getting triggered by Hitler, so I'm gonna make Hitler jokes because that triggers people and that's funny. And it's like mm-hmm. a joke, and then people start following him. And they're like, yay, I also love you, and it's you're funny, and I. But then there are some people that really truly believe it. And there's also this conversation about global power, sort like global international banking cartels. That's a completely different conversation than Judaism. And it's not fair to conflate the two. Someone might have ancient ancestry that of Jewishness and they don't even believe in God anymore. That I think they're not Jewish. Like you need to believe in God to be Jewish. Like the idea that you just because you don't like luck into it, like it's it's earned with your 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 revel with God. Like it is right. it, it is the first commandment of the of the of the of the I don't know if it's the Torah, but it's like the this is what the first thing is like I am. There is, if this is God, there's no other. Don't, have, thou shalt anyway. not have any gods before me. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and like, if you don't truly believe that, then why would you call yourself Jewish? I don't, but then they're like culturally mm-hmm. Jewish, which I think maybe is you're actually culturally Israeli because Judah, the son of Israel. And there's a, there's a, there are people I've talked to Jewish scholars that say there's an, there's a part of Judaism that has, that believes what I'm talking about and makes that argument. But it's just an ongoing debate. Well, it's, it's interesting because like usually people, in my experience, um, that say that they're not religiously Jewish, but they're culturally Jewish. They're usually Ashkenazi Jews who are very culturally different than Israeli Jews. <laughs> so, but um, regarding Nick, like, yeah, I don't know if Nick started off. It's just I'm sure like a lot of these people, they start off on 4chan. They're just saying things that get people triggered. Um, but I mean, now, whether he believes it or not, I mean, he's definitely on the Jews are the fault of everything. If you go and listen to that speech, I mean, he's basically saying that there's a, some conspiracy with Jews basically trying to keep the Christians down and we need to you know, get rid of the Jews by some, some quote, nonviolent means, you know, some way, some way we need to get rid of the Jews. So regardless of how he Nick, started, he's definitely on the white nationalist Jews are the fault of everything train. I would say, Nick, if you're listening, Nick, or anyone that's listening, if you want to focus on the problem, focus on the patterns of behavior, not the individuals, the pattern of greed. Greed is a sin, man. Greed is not good. Greed can lead to the destruction and chaos. So if people are being greedy, that is the problem. It doesn't matter what ethnicity or what religion they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a good message. Unfortunately, I think he and the Gropers would say that's a cuck attitude. But I agree with you. <laughs> so, it's sad. But anyway, uh, J-Mac, our circuit father, thank you so much for the 50 gifted subs. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Uh, Mr. Room 6 for 500 Kazarkazarks. Thank you. Says I wouldn't worry about the jobs taken by AI. There will be jobs we can't. E- there, there will be jobs we can't even possibly conceive of now. Just imagine trying to explain to someone from 1975 the job of Instagram influencer. Even in complete abundance, time is still a scarce resource. Yeah, that's a great point that I was, you know, trying to allude to. But yeah, we we can't even per- perceive of or conceive of the new possible jobs and things that will open up due to technology. I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist. Right. There you go. Uh, Stuck for five dollars says Adam. Can you name the structures they found that exist outside of space and time, please? So it's like a tetrahedrus or something like that. I it's like straight out of uh, the, the Inception movie. No, not Inception. Interstellar. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, Purple brain for for seven for six. Euro says, quote, evolved creatures will neither store nor process information in costly ways when they can use the structure of the environment. Clark, 1989. Yeah, DNA. They found DNA to be the ultimate data storage device, or one of them. 
I think we'll be storing data within our within our own DNA pretty soon. I mean, we already are, but like actual right. computized data. That'd, that'd be, be cool. Yeah, that'd be very interesting. Um, PC, thanks so much for the fifty gifted memberships or fifty gifted fifty dollars. Thank you. It says killing it with guests recently. Looking forward to the future interviews with Tim Pool, Sam Cedar, and Olay. <laughs> I don't think Olay is going to come on the show. Uh, so one of those is already lined up. One of those is already lined up. Uh, Grendel Vivat for 50 gifted memberships. Thank you so much. That's very generous. Uh, Max for $100. Thank you so much. Says, take my money. I love Ian. Seriously, the best guest out there. Far out there. Ian always gets my noggin jogging. Yeah. Max. Thanks. My brother's name is Max. Oh, no. Max Crossland. What's up, Max? Sweet. I was going to ask you if Crossland was your real name or not. Yeah, it is. I thought yeah. I used to be like, is it like my ancestors crossed the land? And I thought that till I was like 30. And then I was like, I looked into it and I was like, no, it's where they crucified people. Oh, no. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Oh, no. That's your ancestors were the were your ancestors, your ancestors were the people that put up the crucifixes, huh? The, Ro the Roman murderers? I don't <laughs> oh, know. Man. Oh, what a reversal. What a reversal. Oh, Ouch. There you go. I can neither confirm nor deny. It's just what I heard. Okay. Uh, Paboxi for 20 euros says, might regret this. Uh, fun fiction book recommends in regards to the AI and free will talking section. Uh, Charles Strauss's Accelerando and Peter Watts's Firefall. Okay. Sounds like fiction. There you go. Check it mm -hmm. out. Uh, J-Mac, our circuit father for $50. Thank you so much. Says, my exposure to rampant government incompetence usually helps dissuade me from entertaining most unproven conspiracies. So what? You can fake the moon landing, but a bunch of third world terrorists in the mountains are giving you trouble? Come on, man. I kind of agree yeah, with that. Man. Yeah. I think the moon landing one's kind of interesting because I do think they they shot some fake footage just in mm -hmm. case to like embellish, but also that they went to the moon, but just right. like to make it make sure they could propagandize people and, and freak the Russians out. Interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Um, I mean, it could be true, maybe, but I, I don't really have strong feelings on it one way or the other. So. Uh, not gay Ben for two dollars. Our favorite super chatter says, "Hi, Ian. I'm not gay." I believe you. <laughs> but what are you well Good judging question. by his avatar he's a dog so do you ian do you have a political do you call yourself left or right or conservative or nah. progressive nah. i or mean anything? it depends on this it, 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 sometimes i'm conservative in my beliefs sometimes i'm liberal in my beliefs it just depends on the situation and the yeah. reason yeah I would, hmm. we we call ourselves enlightened centrists it's a bit t tongue in cheek obviously but I don't. I couldn't call myself a progressive or a conservative. People are always trying to label us, but I mean, there's a time and a place for everything, man. Well, maybe not everything. Of that's course, hyperbolic, but if it, you know, yeah, flexibility yeah. And, and adaptability. Yep. Progress and tradition work together. Mm -hmm. Oh, need yeah. both. I'm so glad that I'm working with people that would consider themselves conservative because I grew up so liberal, like with people that were like. You know, if we help everybody, we help ourselves, help everybody. And it's like, well, sometimes you got to help yourself first. So I've kind of yep. learned that lifestyle in the last 10 years of my life. Yeah. Hmm. And it seems like you've changed a bit on, on the institutions. You've, you're a little more humble, a little more humility about these institutions and how they're built and how much investment there is in them over generations, even. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the system is very, when I think about changing the government, I think of a gigantic yacht, like a huge freighter that's moving and it takes so long to turn and there's so much momentum. And one guy at the wheel, the president, he's like, <laughs> we're turning the whole, and everyone on board's like, yo, bro, this is like, you can't just do that. Like the whole yeah. thing has, is gonna move as a unit. Yeah, people will mm -hmm. rebel. So is there anything you want to pitch or say before we uh, wrap it up? Yeah, uh, at Ian Crossland, follow me if you want anywhere on the internet, Twitter, YouTube, Mines, really anywhere. And uh, Timcast, uh, company I'm working with, Tim Pool. We do Timcast IRL Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube at mm -hmm. Timcast IRL. So you can watch the show there. This week, Seamus Coglin of Freedom Tunes will be hosting all week because nice. Tim's out of town. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah, so we'll be there at eight o'clock. He's he's great. We did, actually did voices for him for a Freedom Tune recently, oh, which was a lot awesome. of fun. Yeah, totally. I'm about to do that on Wednesday. Are oh, you? Nice. Yeah, it's sweet, sweet. Yeah. It is fun. Yeah. So. Oh, he's great. What a great guy. Yeah, brilliant Seamus, man. Seamus is awesome. So yeah. Seamus, right. spoon thief, I hear. Cool. Well, we're gonna I can neither confirm or deny. Since you want to say anything, we're we have another stream lined up. We're gonna review the the iDubs situation i dubs did a video with olay uh did you say you're going to talk about the situation the si yes the, the situation we're going to talk about the stitch situation yes the i dubs uh, was on olay and did a struggle session so yeah that'll be a lot of fun i only want i only made it 15 minutes in before i got so triggered i had to like turn it off a common cure for ten dollars says ask ian why he got addicted to oats um i was like the poor food? Yeah, it was like 2010, and I was poor, so yeah. I had oats. I would get like raisins and cinnamon, and uh -huh. I started doing like spicing up my oats because it's a nice base to sure, experiment yeah. with. And I was yeah. learning how to cook and flavor, and I would get high as hell and just eat it for the taste. And I'd eat like bowl after bowl and just bloat <laughs> my fucking brains out. So I, I went through an oat phase, and I'm no longer in that oat phase. I okay, I'm glad that. you've kicked the oat. <laughs> yeah. It took a, it took some humility. Well, this has and, been a fantastic conversation. You know, if you ever want to come back and talk to us about anything, our door's always open. I would love so. to. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks Andrew. for coming on. All right. Oh, Stitch. <laughs> Thank you. That's rock, man. Nice glasses. And that white cat in the background is beautiful. Oh, uh, yeah. I usually, I don't usually do put my glasses on when I have guests. So, nice. <laughs> let you see my real eyes. Those glasses are nice, too. Yeah, yeah. your eyes are beautiful. Why, thank you. Stitch, your avatar is amazing. Thank you. Sitch is gonna do a. He's gonna actually do a face reveal someday. But someday, oh, it's gonna go viral. I we'll see so. what happens. Yes. Well, anyways, just thanks in, for coming. You want to end the yeah. stream, or we'll do the uh, we'll, we'll do, do the some super more super chats that are not directly at you. So. Well, we can do them in the next stream, or do you want to? No, no we'll 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 wrap them up. We'll we'll say goodbye to you, Ian. Take care, man. Okay. Thanks for coming on. I love you guys. Thank yeah. you so much. Bye, everyone. Peace. Bye. Let me read the rest of Super Chats. Uh, Fizz Fight, Caleb for $2 says, Ian looking like Steve Merchant. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Alpha, not an Ian fan, says, uh, for $2 says, this guy's a sociopath and a fraud. Wow. Seems like a very nice guy and very sincere to me. Yeah, I've been following Ian on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And all of his tweets are like nice as can be. <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Genie Repayment for $5 says, I mean, robots and AI certainly make it easier to reduce carbon and still maintaining a quality of life for the carbon that's left. That is true. 
Uh, Calvin Paffer for two months says human labor is becoming less valued as the population stagnates. Question mark. I guess my religion, most issues kind of just solve themselves is proved right yet again. <laughs> Calvin Pafford, CP24. There you go. Wow. You want to vote for CP24, everybody? Nope. I'm going to abstain from that vote. You don't want to vote for CP24? I'm CP voting 24? against it. I'm voting for oh, okay. Woodchipper. <laughs> <laughs> Woodchipper24. Okay. Okay. Uh, Raphael Spornarski, thanks so much for being... Two months free will seeker with a sitch kill me emoji. Thank you. Sweet. I love that emoji. So do I. Genier Penguin for five dollars says simulation theory. I believe in quote, it's just a prank bro theory. One of us passed out at a party and our friends put us in a simulation. True. That is actually true. Yes. Uh, Matthew Newman for two New Zealand dollars says, Adam, I messaged you. I messaged you. Also, New Zealand has wireless power lines. Really? Sweet. How does that work? How? What is the distance that they can uh, transmit the energy wirelessly? Three oh, inches. That awesome. Well, it's got to be more than three inches. <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, I have my, you know, my, quote, wireless phone charger, but, like, it has to literally be touching. Right, so, yeah. You know. And also has to be lined up just right. So I feel like it's actually more of an asshole than just the wire. No way. I love the wireless charger. I think I just got a cheap one. I should have got a better one. But uh, Underscore for $10 says, the case against reality is good. Three chapters in. The problem with it is that it has the meal in there, meat and potatoes and all. Uh, the garnish is lefty nonsense. Known Chomsky and Shakespeare don't need quotes. Okay. Well, there you go. Maybe there's. It's been a while since I read that book, so I don't remember right. any Noam Chomsky quotes. But sure, I'm not a Noam Chomsky fan. What's your first thought? Thank you so much for the two dollars and the thumbs up emoji. Yeah, thumbs up to you. Stug for ten dollars says, if you're referring to experiments using the quantum Hall effect, it looks like all they did was simulate four dimensions using this effect. Don't know all the details yet. Also, I think you mean Tesseract. Yeah, it was a Tesseract in the movie, but it's something different. They call it something different. Okay. I guess I could look at my history and you could I'll send I'll I'll put the video that I was watching in chat. How about that? How will that make you feel? That would make me feel fine. Good. Uh Ehaf for ten dollars says when AI takes my job, I'm gonna be a pro lizard person, live under the airport, work by human Working, work by wearing my human disguise on public transportation and blink sideways at people. True and based. There you go. Uh, CPathy for $5 says, So my press secretary has turned on me. Kidda, bring me ice. CSP 2024. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There's two, there's two Calvin Paffords, apparently. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Oh, no. So there you go. When two CPs go to war. Who who wins? Whoever wins, we lose, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, and we'll show the art after the end of the second stream. Asif Arty for five dollars says, Preemptive scold, Adam, show the drawing I sent you. I don't care that you didn't get a talking part in the scene. I made you look happy, and that should be enough. Yes, Asif Arty Definitely made Definitely enough. Uh, it's a great picture. picture. Yeah. Uh, but we'll show that after we watch iDubs's struggle session. So Sweet. Are you ready to ready to switch over, everybody? Yeah, let's do it. 
Uh, do you want to put a link? I set it to in the chat. What's well, already at the top? Pinned to the top of the chat. Okay. If you're looking for the the link to it, so click mm -hmm. on that video, and we'll move and over. Do, there. Will it auto send people there too? If you click the thing. I don't know. You, I don't, you know, I don't think well, so. Well, why don't we do that? Why don't we be smart? Can okay. you auto send people? Let's find out. Okay. Do it. Trying up. to the YouTube studio is not loading very quickly. Uh, Malvin Na Matthew Newman for two New Zealand dollars says Google it a couple hundred meters over a valley. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's very cool, actually. I'm curious about that. Um, okay, let's see. Where's the? I always forget where it is. Where's the thingy that lets you send? Who cares? Just over? end the stream. Bye bye. No, 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 no. Stop. F. Too F. late. I already hit the Adam. button. Are you serious? Of I, course. I have, it. I have it right here. No, I didn't. I hit have the, it right here. I didn't okay. hit the button. Okay, good. I have it set up. Read well, a lot. Redirect. Is, my little pointer thing is just over it. Okay, it should Waving. redirect. <laughs> it should redirect you guys. I think you have to click a click at the top of the two screen. Two hour or stream. To yeah, to our next stream. Really? Yes, okay. that's the main point of the redirect function. Adam was not to send it to other channels, but to I mean, your own like, channel. That's like a miracle. There you go. If I that, know modern technology is amazing. If that's if that happens, all right. See you in one second.